Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their stories and what makes them tick. Rob Trotter, it's season two, episode one. Happy New Year, Tara. Right? Yes. Happy Happy New Year. It feels like, uh, it really, it only feels like we uh, did our last interview. We, we spoke maybe not even 24 hours ago, but it, in reality, it's been a couple of weeks. Yes. The podcasting thing is kind of really weird. You got to kind of get your head around this kind of stuff. But yes. yeah, uh, Christmas has passed. I had a fantastic Christmas. Thank you for asking. I got all the all the gifts I ever I ever thought of and dreamed of I, I'd want. Uh, because in reality, actually, at the time of this recording, Christmas hasn't happened. So um, <laughs> I'm, I, I can't fake that. But, magic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> magic indeed. So yeah, we were talking just before about this being the season premiere, uh, you know, season two of OKHR Leads. And um, I, I'm hoping that uh, season two is more of like a Godfather 2 as opposed to like a Gremlins 2 type <laughs> sequel. So uh, <laughs> we've got some we've got some uh, work to do to. to we're uh, we're going to compare this Jaws to Jaws too. Is this what we're saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, we we want a really good sequel as opposed to a to one of those substandard sequels. Yes, I get it. Yeah, it's a, it's right. a lot of buildup. <laughs> and but do we have the guest of all guests? We do. Oh, uh, I'm excited. I, I'm really excited because. The guest we have today is Dina Culpepper, and she is the behind the scenes, makes all things happen for mm-hmm. HR communities. And Dina is the owner and founder of Culpepper Management Group, where she is in the unique position of managing HR associations. So she has uh, her hands in a couple of associations that we are close to. One is OKHR. OK and Austin, Texas HR Association, and Texas SHRM. So bottom line, if you want to know who to contact for anything um, that's anything with SHRM, how it works, with your local association, you might just check with Dina because she knows it all and has likely had the experience handling it before. So welcome, Miss Dina Culpepper. Hello. Thank you. Happy Hi, New Dina. Year. Yeah, happy new year. Happy new year. This yes. is kind of funny. <laughs> we'll, yes. we'll figure it out. We're, no, I think I think it's great. And again, I'll try not to disappoint on this uh, season two premiere. Season two premiere. I like it. I feel like, yes. I know. So excited. I'm not sure if the writing is as strong, but we'll see what happens. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, yes, you never know. Maybe we're getting, yeah we're getting comfortable in our ways and we're not bringing the, the charm, but we are today because we have, Dina. you are. Yes. We have Dina. So Dina, we, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but I want to know your background and how it led to what you're doing and how you got into this unique position of handling these associations, because that's a different feel than just working in an organization. Correct. Association management is different. And to be honest, when I started working in the field 24 years ago, I had never heard of it. I didn't know it was a real life career path. So uh, my professional world started in the finance and banking industry. I was in customer service for um, 
a number of years and I worked in uh, I worked in banking, I worked in the finance world. That was a great training ground for me because people are contacting customer service to uh, talk about money and they're very serious about those things. And I learned to uh, respond quickly and be accurate and do all of those wonderful customer service techniques. So as things happen in the late 80s, early 90s, many uh, banks and savings and loans either went out of business or were acquired. And my bank was acquired. And so I continued the work that I was doing. And I was approached to um, leave the state of Texas to continue my role in another state where the bank was making its presence. And my family chose not to um, not to move. So I needed to find something else that would work. Now, side note about me is that I am a wife and I'm a mom and my oldest daughter falls on the autism spectrum. So at that point in life, uh, she was in the world of just starting school and there were some challenges that we needed to approach and I needed to figure out how to be a, um, a working mom to be the most effective for her. The way that it worked for me and the way that it works for a lot of people is things simply just get presented to you. And I had a professional friend who was the uh, president of an association, and he came to me and just said, you know what, we need someone who can really help us with the management of this team. This can't be a volunteer role. This has got to be somebody who can really look at this from a business strategy standpoint. And I started right then and there managing the association that he was president of that turned into other groups asking me to help. And uh, with my background in customer service and finance, that all fit very nicely. Um, along with being a mom, I was also the PTA president, and I worked on the Education Foundation and all of those things. So I had a clue how uh, nonprofit associations worked. So it all blended beautifully into making a different career path for me. And now, 24 years later, here we are. Wow. Yeah, wow. So there's two things I want to make sure that we, we go in both directions and they're both opposite. <laughs> so let me first thing is tell us about the, the challenges of, of being a parent who has, um, who has to make some choices to do things differently. It's not a normal, hey, you go to school, you drop them off. There might be a, a little bit, a few challenges that happen that you have to be aware of. And I would, I would assume being your own boss afforded you a little bit of luxury to, to help make those decisions or help to, to, to navigate that a little bit differently. Can yes. you explain that so that maybe people who are in an HR role can hear some of this to learn to be sensitive or look mm -hmm. at things differently? Yes. Um, first of all, having um, a child on any uh, spectrum or having a, a situation that falls out of the quote unquote neurotypical child uh, brings its own set of challenges. And I did not, I was very naive when our daughter was born to what challenges would lie ahead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was this thought in my head that, well, if you just 
do this, then this will work out. Well, that's not always how it works. So yes, there were challenges and being my own boss, though not financially lucrative, did allow me the flexibility to be there to offer her the support that she needed. Now, I will say from the um, standpoint of what life looked like in the early 90s, there wasn't a great um, backing for moms specifically. Mm -hmm. If you needed some flexibility, flexibility or asking for flexibility came at a high cost. Um, Companies were not willing to um, to work with with moms Mm -hmm. traditionally in that way. So my advice to anyone who might have a member of their team is uh, that that faces these challenges is to be understanding and be patient. Uh, as we as we always say in the world, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Well, mm-hmm. I promise you, there's not a busier person in the world than a parent with a special needs child. Mm. Um, we are our minds are going a million miles an hour. There are you know doctor's appointments, therapy appointments, school things that you've got to keep up with. You're you're just going all the time. So our Our family dynamic is important to us, but our work dynamic for the most part is also equally important to us. So don't have the impression that they're not, if you're giving flexibility to this parent who needs it, that they're not going to show up for you and do their work. I think it's the opposite. I think they're going to show up for you in spades. They want to show their value to you um, and and they value their work and they value their employment. However, they need some time to be able to um, to meet the needs of their family as well. And it's a it's a nice opportunity when you don't force them to make a choice. Let them let them thrive in both areas. Um, I will also say that when you um, when you have a member of your team that has um, challenges with a child to allow them to. to come to you and approach it the way they need to approach it. How it needed to work for Dina is maybe not how it needs to work for your team member, but have those open and honest conversations because the hardest part is trying to carry it all on your shoulders. Um, Go to them and ask, what can I do to support you in the best way so that you can be what you need to be for your family? Oh yeah. So good. And, and, Yeah, we all need to hear that in so many different ways. I mean, you just exuded the platinum rule, you know, treat others as they want to be treated and, you know, or, and, or ask how they need to be asked. It's not, it's, you know, everybody's different. And, you know, where it comes to raising a special child, uh, it's not uncommon in the work field to, you know, maybe say like, hey, how did your daughter do on that test? Or, hey, how was your son's football game or whatever? Those may not be the conversations that a special parent gets to have. And so please continue to show interest. A lot of people uh, won't ask questions because they'll just think, oh, I don't want to make it uncomfortable. Um, But we still want to we still want to brag about our kids and we still want to share the challenges that we face. Um, it's still parenting and it's right at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot. (laughs) Right. Right. That's a good comment to say, still ask the questions. Um, because I can't imagine, and I've heard other people make some other comments in an, in another way, but, but just still asking and still saying what's happening, what's happening with you, what's new, what's exciting, because Everybody wants connection. That's bottom line. Everybody wants connection. They do. And and uh, 
the special needs world, I can tell you can be very, very isolating mm-hmm. and um, connection across the board is important. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate sure. that. So what does it mean to be an, an association manager? What does that mean? I know you touched on it saying, you know, you had finance, somebody said I, I've been in nonprofit or I've run in whatever, but what does that mean to be that person taking care of an association? Right. So um, a management under the under the header of management looks the same. You're having the oversight of everything where associations specifically are concerned is that you're dealing with your team and your team is made up almost exclusively of volunteer leaders. So you've got to have a lot of flexibility here. You're not catching the people traditionally between eight and five Monday through Friday because they've got a paying job that's handling that time frame for them. You've got to make sure that you um, are, for lack of a better word, you've got to have some patience with this. You've got people, the volunteer roles for most people come third or fourth or fifth tier in their real life. And so uh, we, we realize that we've got to have some flexibility and we, we work when our teams need us to work for them. Mm-hmm. There are also different laws that pertain to associations. So if you're a for-profit company in any state, there are laws that you have to adhere to. Well, same holds true for associations or not-for-profit organizations. And so ensuring that your groups are um, abiding by the rules of the state or the area that you're in, that's a big piece of it for us as well. Um, For the most part, I find that a lot of my job is ensuring that everyone has what they need in order to be successful. So um, in the world of traditional business, you've got your task and you're completing whatever your specific role is. But a lot of association management is that you've got a little bit of everyone else's tasks and you're ensuring that they are successful in completing that. Um, it's, uh, it's, It's having oversight and ensuring that we've, that we've got you taken care of. And also, I think the keeper of information, because you're holding the history of things. And like you said, people are transitioning on and off specific rules. And if the prior leader didn't hand down a booklet or their their Google Docs, you don't know necessarily maybe some decisions that have been made. But if you have an association management team, they have that memory. And there are plenty of times I've had a conversation with you and you're like, this is how it was handled in 2017. You know, I mean, right. so it's like, oh, well, you know, why would I have known that? I wasn't involved at that time. You know, exactly. those are things that are. My, my, uh, my, I always say my bosses change every, uh, <laughs> every 12 to 24 months. I get a new group of folks that I'm working with. And it's, if there's anything to be the platform for cheering for association management, what you just mentioned, Tara, is exactly why. Um, historical information, historical memory. Most importantly, what didn't work sometimes is what you want to know. Um, The volunteers come in and they have their moment to shine and make it theirs for that time. But the groups as a whole have have, um, existed for a very long period. And we want to ensure that things are done well. 
You also, for the most part, have some pieces of uh, a group, once a group is a certain size, particularly, that you don't really want volunteers having oversight of. Groups that are fairly large, and we talk about the SHRM world, um, there's a lot of money that gets touched, and there are a lot of responsibilities. There are a lot of uh, events and contracts and things that do have some legalities to them. And having a volunteer that realistically will be gone in 12 to 24 months may not be the best way to uh, to manage that. Right. Is there a certain size of an organization where it makes sense to have a manager? From a financial standpoint, I, I lean toward, if you've got a budget, anything exceeding $100,000 a year, it's usually good to get someone in. We do work with teams that have a far smaller um, budget than that, but for the most part, it, it's it's when it gets to a point where it is truly feeling like a business, and the liability out there is uh, is great. Then you want to you want to consider this. Now, some of our smaller groups that we work with, they just simply have boards that do not have the bandwidth to do things the way they want it to be done. So they bring us on board so that the work can be done and. Uh, my my job, I always say, is that I am here to make the association successful, but the definitions of success belongs to y'all. You mm-hmm. tell me what you want and we can make it happen. Um, but sometimes what they want to happen is just not in the uh, in the bandwidth of the volunteer board at that time. So you are you are the lead of those associations which also means that you have a lot of contact with SHRM directly, correct? Right. That is correct. So you kind of know why things are happening or who to contact at National SHRM, so SHRM, Society for Human Resources Management, you know who to contact there. If we wanted to get down to brass tacks and connect with Johnny C. Taylor, the CEO, what kind of hoops would we go through? I mean, you've had to do this. So I'm try- I'm really wanting to know what it's like. connect yes yes well i do uh i talk to sherm on the daily and i can't always tell you the why of what they why they do what they do but i do usually know who to contact um specifically to johnny c taylor uh he is not only the ceo and president of sherm he's a lovely man and everyone wants to have his attention uh and they want him to come and speak now tara i don't know if we're allowed to officially i know officially announce but uh, if, if not, Rob, you can edit this part out, but Johnny C. Taylor will be the keynote speaker at the OKHR annual conference in April. So we're thrilled that he's gonna be joining us. Uh, I think if for no other reason, show up to listen to Johnny speak because he, uh, he's a fabulous speaker. He's a fabulous speaker and he has presence and charisma. Woo, uh, he, has he has charisma. Presence has presence and charisma and is a very, he's just a nice man. He's, he's done amazing work in his life. So in order to get Johnny C. Taylor to come and speak at uh, any of the groups, we, we realized that it's an ask that probably every large team for Sherm makes. They want Johnny. And there's only so many days in the calendar. And he does have a lot of uh, groups that he works with outside of Sherm that get his attention as well. And so that to say, there is a protocol to go through the official speakers bureau of SHRM. 
and you apply for um, his presence, you make them aware of the dates, you make them aware of the objective of the event, and his team uh, is made aware of the request. And then communication happens back and forth where the team tries diligently to work with you and figure things out so that they can make it happen. I will say in the world of technology, more, um, more often we've had opportunities for him to at least do a video um, mm -hmm. piece for us, which we always appreciate when schedule can't happen. And then if Johnny can't join you, they have um, a, certainly a list of fabulous speakers that they can send. I know uh, the um, Emily Dickens, who is the chief of staff for SHRM, she comes often to speak and she's also fantastic. Uh, Alex uh, Alonzo will come. They, they've got they've got a lot of talent to share. But if you want Johnny specifically, my greatest advice is start early. Uh, right. Yeah, that's that's the first piece of advice. Know what you want and go and ask. And uh, I will say, where Oklahoma was concerned, we started months ago trying to get his attention for spring. So, and it worked. <laughs> no. So uh, Dina helps us keep things in line and I this year am on the OKHR conference committee. And so when Dina said, hey, we're, we're in conversation, this, this might happen. I was thinking, oh, oh my gosh, I get to meet him. I've met him once, but I really get to meet him this time, right? Woo, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, he, he just has presence, swagger, that whole thing that you're like, yeah, you know, whenever you just don't know what that thing is, but whatever yeah, it is, thing. yes. And I hope that he listens in. We're saying such good things about him. We should tag yeah. him, tag him on this podcast. So we should, knows. we should. Least of all, sure. Yes, that's right. Um, you've been. What are some tricks? So, so speaking of planning conferences. You have helped plan conferences for other organizations as well as OKHR. What are some tricks that you can pass along in the different organizations that you've worked with that, that help with the planning process itself? Or what are some things that you know, your group specifically can bring? I mean, obviously we talked about consistency, but there are lots of things that just if you are a volunteer planning to have some, a small summit in your location, what are some things that Dina can pass along? Um, number one, have a plan. Know what the uh, know what the goal is, and that way we're always shooting forward. No matter what conversation it is, we know where we're trying to get to. It's truly just having the map of what the ultimate goal and destination is. Now, I will say, trick wise, there uh, there used to be uh, a lot of them. There used to be this event management, you know, book, if you will, in our own heads of you do this, you do this, you do this. COVID changed all that. <laughs> and so the way that we used to, uh, the way that we used to do events, the way that we used to manage everything all had to change. There are no, uh, there were no powwows going on in big boardrooms and making a big plan. We also had an audience that completely changed on their needs and we, um, 
we had to rewrite, we had to rewrite what we were thinking on how we do what we do. So my number two piece after making your map of where you're trying to go is really figuring, and maybe it should go back to being your number one piece. What is your audience looking for? If you're trying to plan something that nobody's asking for, then why are you doing it? Mm -hmm. Please figure out if you're meeting the need of people. If you are an organization and they are a or a part of your organization, or you are trying to get them to become a part of your organization, then you've got to be meeting a need for them. In today's world, it feels like more than ever before, people's time is so limited. And not only is it limited, they're not willing to spend a lot of time that isn't absolutely a necessity. You know, work and family, that's usually where it comes. So give them something that is of interest, something that will make them a better professional in their career. And uh, to be frank, to something that is appealing to their boss, because uh, a lot of folks these days aren't getting the opportunity to attend events because the boss no longer thinks that that's a value. You can do everything virtually. Um, So there has to be a sell on why is this a value? How is this event going to make my team member a better, you know, quote unquote, HR professional through attending? And if you can make that sell, that is uh, a big piece of that. Now, what association managers, our group specifically bring to the table is we absolutely want our volunteer leaders to shine. And this is your event. You make the plan. Let's figure it out. We will try to keep you kind of through, you know, keep you in the uh, correct direction as we go. But, you know, dream, enjoy being a volunteer leader. Do what you think is best. And let us just, as I often say, handle the minutia. We're in the weeds. We'll take care of the details, but but dream and uh, enjoy the process. Right. Do you think being involved in an HR type organization that you feel like you know all things HR? A lot of people ask me HR advice and I'm always hesitant. Uh, I hear a lot of HR. (laughs) I read a lot of HR. Uh, I know more of it than I probably realize that I do. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say that I uh, admire all HR professionals. (laughs) It's not easy work. It is, uh, it's a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I am an extrovert and I enjoy hanging around people, but HR is, that's a lot of people. And uh, (laughs) that's a lot, that's a lot of personalities and a lot of, uh, a lot of challenging and interesting needs. So, yes. Nina, tell us about your team because we've we've just learned that this is not just a one woman show that you're doing. You've you've actually got some support for this. So I do. uh, Tell us about it and why, why do you need more help. Oh, well, um, thank you, Rob. My, my team is, again, it's not a one woman show and my team is amazing. I have, I have been fortunate to be able to hand select through the years, people that I want to come on board and help me. Um, I will say that, um, they are the nicer version of me. They are, uh, they are kind and they are willing and I just appreciate them so much. So we have a team, uh, including me, of four. And we have two people here in the office with me. And then we have someone in Austin. 
Terry, you mentioned that we uh, work with the Austin team for Sherm. We also work with the Fort Worth team and the San Antonio team. Mm -hmm. And so our person in Austin works on making that, uh, that time on I-35 is what she gets to do a lot to go between events. So we've got four of us and the skill sets um, are phenomenal. We've got people who most importantly um, are disciplined and detailed and all of those things are incredibly important in association management. And we're extremely fortunate to need a team because we have clients that we need to manage. So as our uh, group grew, we needed to bring more people on board. And right now, we're to a point where we can manage what we have with, uh, with the group that we have. Nice. Yes, it That's is very nice. And I, I hope that at some point everyone gets to meet everyone because they're, they uh, are fantastic. Do you, you just mentioned this, do you and or somebody from your team normally go to all the meetings? Yes, um, and it depends on if it's just a traditional monthly meeting, something small, then maybe we're not on site for you. We've got um, always in our contracts, we figure out those details of what the need is. Again, we come and we ask the need and then we meet the goal. And uh, so you won't always find me at maybe a traditional monthly meeting or someone from my team there, but we're at all the board meetings. We are at all the large events um, and someone is... Someone is traveling at least a couple of times a month to different groups and their and their events. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I'm thinking about this kind of after the fact, but you talked about conferences and planning and that you know things. Do you have connections with these other, like these mega speakers or these other groups that maybe volunteer, Tara, volunteer, Rob has no clue about? necessarily know the uh, speaker personally, but I usually know their handler, if you will. There are a lot of agents that I work with and I know the right person to call to, nice. to get, to get uh, the conversation happening. And uh, I've not always been incredibly successful in getting uh, a discounted rate because of those connections, but sometimes I can get a little bit of a discount. Yeah. We've done work with some groups year after year um, and they, they know we're good clients. So yes, I, I do know, I do know a lot of phone numbers. Can you tell us who your favorite person is that was celebrity or a big dog speaker that you got to, got to meet at a meet at a conference or just from being involved here? Yes, hundred percent. And you don't even have to think about it. Okay. Uh, yes, my absolute favorite that I've met through the years was several years back, Henry Winkler was the <gasps> keynote speaker at HR Southwest. And I, I like the two of you know him as the Fonz. And um, he was the nicest, most genuine. I'll, I'll try to do all of it without crying. He he was just lovely, and he has a um, he has a series of books um, about a young boy who um, has dyslexia, and Henry himself has dyslexia, and so his um, his presentation to the team to the group was about the um, was about the books and his world of growing up with this disability and the challenges that he faced and the scrutiny that he faced. But when it was all said and done and we actually got to hang out with him a little bit, I, I just, I, I had no idea that 
someone who uh, I had such a, a um, I guess, an, an opinion, an idea of would uh -huh. exceed my expectations tenfold. He is a lovely, lovely human being. I love that. I have seen interviews with him, but he also was on a show that was, I want to say early 2010s-ish. It was called Better Late Than Never. And it was yes. stinking hysterical. <laughs> and you saw his personality and he was so doggone funny. I just adored him from that. So I... I just hear that he is just so lovely. I'm so glad that he is, he a, he is that. a lovely man. And one of the things I will remember the most is that he took time and he listened and he did. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent in my life of doing things with intention and he mm. did everything with intention. He listened. He would look you straight in the eye. He wasn't rushed. There was no, um, there was no feeling of, oh, I'm wasting his time. He was just genuine and lovely and very intentional. And I was, I, I was planning to be a fan for life, but it solidified. I'm going to be Aww. a fan. I love that. Gosh, I'd love to, gosh. Well, well done. We need to tag I, him too, Rob. Yes, we okay. will. Okay. I, I, you know who I was going to guess you were going to say, and I oh. have no idea why this was. I was going to say like Kenny Rogers or something. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I never, I never got to. I never get now. There are a few I could mention that I did not have such a great impression, but we will keep. We will oh, not no, take any no. of those things. So, is there is there somebody like Henry Winkler that you would like to get? Is there like a, a dream guest that uh, you think would be great? At my at this point, uh, the dream changes year to year because there's always people out there that I go, oh, that's the get. But <laughs> right now, my uh, my get of choice is not necessarily a celebrity. I guess quasi celebrity. Uh, but uh, is Brene Brown. I want Brene oh, to wow. come. Yeah, I want her to come in my presence. I want her just to have coffee with me or uh, I'll go play pickleball with her. That's her new obsession. Yes. So she is just the real deal and um, I enjoy her. And um, yeah, it's she's made me want to go and like study at the University of Houston and <laughs> all of those. I'm like, I will just do anything to be close to Brene, so. She would be my dream at this point. I know. And she's everywhere, it seems like. I mean, yes. everywhere that people are now very familiar with her. And so I'm sure she is being pulled in lots of different directions. Um, she is. And her, and her hand her handler, uh, and we have made contact through the years, uh, you know, the, the fee structure, as it should, continues to rise. So I don't uh -huh. see her being part of anything that I've got coming up. But boy, that would be. That would be something to, to get to spend a day or two with Brene Brown because she is, a, I think she's given a generation um, a lot of freedoms in our, in our talk now. You know, she has made, she has uh, taken shame and, and brought things to the forefront. And I think it's wonderful. Yeah. There, there's a lot, I mean, we could go down this rabbit hole, but she's, there's lots of, of conversation and, and we had it on a most recent uh conversation with somebody you know soft front strong back i mean we people can quote things from her that just take those little little pieces and i will say clear as kind unclear as unkind i mean all these little things that brene <laughs> brown has just Breneisms, yes and i guess that does make you an official celebrity when people quote you so yeah yeah well okay you've put it out in the 
universe. I have. So, I'm gonna. I'm working on my vision board for 2022. Maybe I'll plop a picture of her up there. It's gonna circle in. Yes. <laughs> um, since you've been holding so many volunteers' hands for so long, what is something that you have to teach or remind volunteers about over and over and over? <laughs> Um, the thing that you'll find me most saying the most to people is enjoy this, enjoy being oh. a volunteer. You know, no one's, no one's coming in to be a volunteer, to be miserable in the process. Traditionally, and I'll speak to Sherm specifically, you're there to, um, you're there to better the HR profession and you're there to support your HR peers. And that should be an enjoyable process. That doesn't mean there won't be pieces of it that you think are, whoo, that was a lot, but it, it is intended to be a process of, uh, of enjoyment. It's also intended to be a time of growth or allowing others to grow through your leadership. And so I try to remind people of that over and over. Many of us have been in a world where as a volunteer leader, you had to get down in the weeds and you had to do the minutia. And that will that will break a volunteer leader's spirit quicker than anything else if you're really having to do the pieces that you didn't intend to do when you became yeah, a yeah. And so I just, uh, I continually remind people, enjoy the process. And that's nice to hear because it seems like I've gone to a few volunteer leadership uh, business meetings and you know, part of the, the presentations there are talking about kind of walking somebody out of a volunteer role that may not be the right fit. And, and you're thinking, God, I'm not being paid for this. And I have to have this hard conversation with somebody because, right. you know, so I, I like the, the part coming back of there's a reason why people are volunteering, you know, A, they're good at it. B, you're, you're learning something new. You're getting leadership skills, all these things. So in the, in the whole big scheme of things, it should be experience and enjoyment and all of the, the wow and great things out of it. And I get it. I mean, you still have to deal with some things that are not fun in a volunteer role, but I, I like that. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. It is great. And you know, when you're a volunteer, not always, but for the most part, you get to see the best side of people. They're not your boss. They're not your, uh, your colleague. They're not, you know, they, they're there just traditionally as themselves. And I always yeah. like that part of my job is that I get to see for the most part, the authentic side of everyone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I meet people sometimes in their professional world after I've gotten to know them in the volunteer world. And I am reminded that, oh, I got, I got to see the, the genuine version of this person because everyone has to put on their business hat. And I understand that. Um, and when you get to know someone as a volunteer leader, um, enjoy who you get to know because they're bringing something to the table that maybe not everybody gets to see. That's an interesting perspective. Uh, and I'm curious, if, is, was there a time that you, the switch was flipped and somebody was very different? Um, well, most of the time it's when someone, and, and I can't say there was someone specifically, but most of the time it's when someone has a very, um, 
perhaps they're in a role in their real job that is, you know, the, the top of the echelon in their real world. And they do have to put on the business hat and maybe they can't let their guard down and people don't know, you know, maybe they don't realize that they've got two dogs and, you know, they love carrot cake. I mean, they just don't know those things, yeah. but because yeah. I've gotten to talk to them casually, I understand that. And when I've met people who work with them in those other worlds and I make casual conversation about a person, they will say, well, gosh, I didn't know that. I've worked with that person for 20 years and I never realized that, you know, and I think, oh, they, and I don't want to say it's a guard. That's not probably correct, but people often can't let their guard down. And uh, being a volunteer leader does allow you to see the, the more traditionally, the more authentic side of a person. Yeah, that's lovely. So Dina, what it, we've, we're actually recording this before Christmas, but posting it after. So I'm going to ask because I'm really curious, and then maybe people need this for later, but what are great gifts? Oh, what are, what are great gifts for Christmas? Christmas and, or for conferences or for your speakers. Oh, I'm letting it open. All of it, all of the great gifts. Um, I am, I am all about, uh, individualized gifts. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to speakers, I really don't like to be generic. I like to go and say, what is something that would be of value to this person? Sometimes it's not even something large. It is just something meaningful. So behind any gift, as you would do in your real life or not, put some thought behind it. Um, you know, people, people like to see that they've been seen, you know, that they've been heard and that you took a, a little time and that might mean that you've got to spend a little bit more um, effort to figure out what the right thing will do. I was about to say money, but it's not always money. Some of the smallest gifts we've ever given from a monetary standpoint have been the ones that have been most heartfelt. And I've had speakers come to me through the years that maybe they've retired or they've left the speaking circuit and they've reached out and said, hey, I still have this little you know, XYZ trinket on my desk because Every time I look at it, I think what a great experience I had at that event. And, you know, that those are the things that that mean something. So take the time to um, to put some meaning behind it. Those are the greatest gifts. Yeah. Any suggestions for people who are overthinkers and can't land the plane? <laughs> as a, Get a Dina. Yeah, I was about to say, as, I, as a, in my personal life, I'm an absolute overthinker, but in my professional life, I'm a decision maker. So call me and I'll tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> I can make decisions for anyone and I can spend money better than most. So, yeah. I, that's the quote. <laughs> that's the quote right there. All right. We have had a great time visiting with you, Dina. And I know that we have a limited time with you right now, and I'm so thankful that you answered all of these questions about uh, background, association management, and, and things like that. But we always end our um, questioning with a few quick questions that you don't need to think about and you hopefully are not prepared for. Okay. So you ready for this? Sure. Okay. In the past year, well, okay, so we're, this will be the beginning of January. In the past 12 months, what has been a revelation to you about yourself? That 
I need to slow down and enjoy all that's going on around me that's good. I move at a very fast pace and I don't appreciate enough. Agreed. Understood. What mantra do you use for yourself and like to share with others? It'll be all right. Ooh, good one. Copying from Brene Brown, um, what do most people get wrong about you? I have no idea what people think of me other than I talk a lot. And um, <laughs> so I, I don't give a whole lot of thought to what people think of me. Um, honestly, uh, I, I care what they think about my work and my work ethic, but personally, I don't, I don't really think about it a lot. I'll, I'll flip that to you. Tell me something you think about me and I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think we talked one time. Uh, uh, did you say, we, no, I'm going to stall. I'm going to okay, stop. Gonna stall. Let me ask Rob. But I, I know you better Dina, than Rob does, so I'll, I'll switch it to Rob. But when I when I think of Dina, and you can tell me if I'm, I'm wrong or, or right here, Dina, I think of somebody that's kind, considerate, and uh, highly responsive. Uh, seems like every time I've emailed you or reached out to you, I've, I've gotten uh, an answer uh, back pretty pretty quick. So those those are some of the things that come. Well, to mind that, those are all very nice things. I will say that I I do um, try to be kind and considerate and uh responsiveness is absolutely something that we do from a professional level so yes yeah. I, yes i agree with all those things so so yeah we didn't get those wrong okay we gotta think of Yay. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh the, the only thing i can think of when you ask the question is um because i am a talker and i have always been a natural smiler um there are people who if i'm not smiling will say you know are you all right is everything okay you're not smiling mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes people get wrong that I, uh, I smile all the time and I do not. Um, but, but my, but my default is to smile. You're like Buddy the Elf. I like smiling. Smiling is my do. favorite. And, and sugar is also my favorite. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh gosh. What recent TV show have you been obsessed with? Oh, well, Tara, you know the answer to this because um, we speak of it. Yes, it's Ted Lasso. And if you're not obsessed with Ted Lasso, you need to watch it and become obsessed with Ted Lasso. I don't know of anyone who's not watched it who hasn't formed an obsession. So um, it's it's a great it's a great show, and it makes you it makes you feel better and reminds us how we're all supposed to act as human beings. Maybe less the language, but that's okay. <laughs> well, and also I think it has real life of that. You know, there are issues, and it's still like put one foot in front of the other and, and find the best. Absolutely. And I just, uh, I am often saddened by the thought that there's only going to be three seasons of that show and we've only got one more left, oh, but wow. we, yeah. uh, we at our house very often will have a repeat of an episode on because Ted Lasso just makes you smile. It does. It does. Spin off, spin off. <laughs> I was. I won't. I won't uh, scream my uh, my favorite phrasing from that show because it doesn't work for podcast lines. But you know, there it's a good show. Yeah. Again, everyone should watch if you're not. Ted Lasso is up. But yes, a spinoff would be great. Could it Roy be Kent, something with Roy Could it Kent. be something with Roy Kent? He could just stand on. He could just stand on the television, and I'd tune in. 
yeah, big fan of Roy Kent. I think he's That's a dog. Funny. So what book or, uh, or podcast, mouth work, um, has had the most profound effect on you? In the past 12 months? Ever. Ever, oh goodness. Um, I hate to default back to Brene Brown, but I love all of her podcasts, her Dare to Lead books, her Dare to Lead podcasts. She's got her new book, Atlas of the Heart. Um, her stuff is just, it just for whatever reason resonates with me. And right. um, I think it's, it's very, you know, it's very impactful. Right. Have you read the new book? I have not. It's on order. It hasn't gotten here yet. Yeah. I did the pre-order for the Audible. So, but I think I need the book too, but the audible won't come out until February, but still I'm, I'm very excited because then I can always just, if I'm driving circle back and if I need to hear something, hear it. Yes. And I'm also a big fan of any podcast that thinks and speaks differently than my normal way. Um, I, I like to learn. I'm a natural, uh, my natural default is to be curious. And I love to learn from people that just have a different way of thinking than I do. And uh, it doesn't mean that I want to subscribe to their way. I just want to learn about their way. So anything, sure. is, anything that feels and looks different than my normal way of thinking and that living, I like to learn from. I think that's a great attitude. I mean, we need to understand that there are people that are different. It doesn't mean that we're sway, being swayed from what our core values are. It's just meaning that we're learning something new. Right. And that's, that's what I'm about all day, every day. I've got to bring something to the, something to uh, my brain that I think I didn't know that prior. And that's yeah. a good thing to know. Okay. Well, Dina, how can people connect with you? Always feel free to reach out. Um, our, uh, my email is the best way to be honest. As Rob mentioned, I try to be responsive and the best email to find me is at Dina at dinaculpepper.com. So uh, D-E-N-A at dinaculpepper.com. Uh, you will find, just as a quick note, our company doesn't have a website. That's been very intentional. Uh, we, do not, uh, we do not go out and ask for clients traditionally to join us. We handpick usually who we get to work with. So we're fortunate in that way. Um, and if so, if you're out there ever Googling Culpepper Management Group, you won't find us in that direction, but you're always welcome to send me an email and I will respond quickly and get you the information that you need. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being uh, season two, episode one. I'm so excited. I think, yeah, I, I feel a lot of pressure, but I'm excited about it. So, uh, well, happy new year to both of you. And yeah, it's going to be a good year. going to be a good year. Yeah. 2022 it's going to be amazing it's going to be great right. thanks well, everybody thank you so much and we'll talk to you later okay bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.